through emails i came across one from a woman named kim lives in texas and she is looking for a place to take their 20 year anniversary trip they want something kind of a something more than a quiet adults only resort resort and so they are asking us for some ideas so anything that's kind of a romantic sexy hotel like a vegas but warmer I'm assuming they want some swimsuits involved, some ocean breeze involved. Sweating. Mm-hmm. Some sweating, some nice <laughs> drives along the ocean to, at sunset. So what you got, Gina? Where, where's a good place to go? Wait, what month did she say? February? Um, I, I think actually this was talking about sometimes towards the end of this month. So right after the Thanksgiving <laughs> holiday or maybe, ah, maybe even over Thanksgiving. That's a good time to go. That is. And congratulations on 20 years. Outstanding. Um, I recommend, um, my very favorite is going to St. Martin. I love the whole Caribbean, um, but St. Martin is awesome. There's no poverty, but you know what? Come to think of it, she mentioned um, something really fun, so I would go with the all-inclusive instead. Go with the all-inclusive either in Jamaica or even as close as uh, Honduras or well, we we are big fans of the Caribbean. We love Cozumel just because of the culture. That's true. Uh, and I the love the fact Cozumel. that it's a small island. We love renting a jeep and just spending time on the other side of the island where it's the hurricane side, so it's where there's no resorts, except mm-hmm. there's a little bitty um, restaurant up on the side of a cliff called Coconuts, I believe, and it is a beautiful place right there along the shore. You get the ocean breeze, and it's pretty good food. You know, it's. It's resort food, so sometimes it's great, sometimes it's, yeah, but it's good food. But there's lots of really good all-inclusive spaces down there. That, yeah, that's true. That we've been that. several times that we love. Cozumel, um, Cancun's a little bit too commercialized for us. Yeah, I've never been there. And then, of course, our family just went to Panama, and that's a beautiful <laughs> area. I, I mean, it is an incredible place, and I hear the same about Costa Rica is even Rica. more beautiful. And then if you keep coming further north, um, Belize is supposed to just be spectacular. Oh, yeah. And so if you do that, if you go to Belize, then absolutely get your scuba diving license before, if you can. And that will be some of the best diving in the world. And that's really fun. And you know what's cool about that? When you do something a little bit um, nerve-wracking, like diving, because you haven't done it before, you're doing that together, that is uh, kind of, what's the word? It adds a little spark. It does. Because of the adventure, the excitement of it will spice everything up, not just yeah. not just you. Yeah, so all those things that you haven't done before, the cool. Well, now, so that, I hope that, helps. now that we're several minutes into this show, um, we're, this isn't vacation talk radio. You're actually <laughs> listening to Sexy Marriage Radio with Corey Allen and Gina Paris, uh, where we are trying to have great conversations about marriage and sex and life and relationships and anything and everything in between. So you can find us at sexymarriageradio.com, and we would love to hear feedback from you on our feedback line at 615-567-3996 or email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Well, Kim, I hope that you guys have a great, wonderful 
anniversary trip, wherever you go, please let us know where, where you end up going. Because <laughs> maybe there's some places yeah. we haven't heard of that, that we would enjoy going as well. Not Gina and I, because again, disclaimer, <laughs> we're not married to each other. Um, we have our own spouses, and so I'll take my spouse someplace, and she can take her spouse someplace. <laughs> but we got to just kind of make sure that's all clear and up front, because we're not like some of the different marriage shows that are out there that are husband and wife, and which are good shows, but we kind of have a different take on things. So Gina... Yes, one, of the thing, one of the things I've realized as we've been doing Sexy Marriage Radio for just about a month now is people are interested in their sex life. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> that might be one of the no-duh comments, uh, the, the greatest no-duh comments in the world right there, that, that people are interested in their sex life. But the other thing is there's a lot of frustration when it comes to their sex life. Yes. Because it's not as easy as Hollywood would lead you to believe. Tug on Hollywood. Yeah. Messing everything up. It, it is easy to blame Hollywood for a lot of things, isn't it? <laughs> we got to blame somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's go, let's go there. Because there's a string of emails we've had that have all been from men who have had a marriage that of, of varying lengths, most of them have had some history, though. I mean, 20 years, 15 years of where sex has been a struggle. That they've, they've done the things to create the right environment. They've done the things to set the mood, to woo the spouse, to start the foreplay outside of the bedroom, and to, to kind of increase ex- excitement and desire, hopefully. But they're, they're running into struggles with it they're running into problems with it that it's not unfolding the way they want because it's not increasing her desire so this is stuff that i know from our conversations that you and i have had this is this has kind of been your journey (laughs) i represent the low desire spouse among us (laughs) so i mean one one email we got in, in particular talked about how um, he's been married to his wife for 20 years. They have three children. And she, he, the way he reports it is, is they have seemingly one of the best marriages of most of the people they know. Mm-hmm. And that she is actually one of the whole, I mean, the way he kind of conceptualizes it is she is one of the best moms, friends, companions, wife, homemaker that he knows, except in the area of lover except in the area of sex specifically because she has spent their entire marriage avoiding it. And so I know there's no quick fixes for this as in the sense of, well, just want it more and it'll happen. It's not that simple, but I would love to know since this is a little bit of your journey, what can you give a reader's digest version of your journey? And, and then we can maybe talk yeah, more about, yeah, Paul, about what happened. I, my husband would give the Reader's Digest version like this. Um, for 14 years, sex happened once a month or never, and then everything changed. Okay. Then all of a sudden, the sun rose and things were different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, because I can, I can understand where the guys are coming from. Uh, me too. And it's painful. It hurt, breaks my heart to read it because I know what it's like to be that wife. That I, it, 
And my girlfriends, I'm telling you, we have these hot husbands. I talk about it in, in the romance rescue sitting in the, on the gynecologist table is saying, I need something. I need testosterone. Uh, I'm sure I need testosterone. And she says, why? And I said, because if you saw my husband and you saw how little desire I have, you'd know something is wrong with me. Okay. And my hormone levels were not off. They were normal. And I wanted to cry. I was so depressed. And I thought, this is great. I'm going to be a sexual loser for the rest of my life. And uh, still, I'm this expert in human potential. So for gosh, since I was 16, I've been traveling and talking about, you know, woo, peak performance and achieving your potential. So it's humiliating. It was frustrating. There was always tension in the air. Uh, we'd blow up about it once a month. Um, and I'm guessing it was I'd, magnified every time he tried to set the mood. Well, I'm pretty soon he quit trying to set the mood. Okay. You know, if we'd snuggle up at night, then I'd start thinking, oh, no, you know. And this is pretty common that the wife wants affection apart from sex. Mm -hmm. And so I crave affection. That's my second biggest love language. And so then, you know, as soon as anything affectionate happens and it becomes a conflict. So I never felt like, like, you know, there was peace there. So, um yeah, so one day I come in the bedroom from right here in the office and he's there in bed uh, with the candles are lit and, and um, I think there's probably music on and it's beautiful and my response was, oh my gosh, not now, not here, it's going to be bad. And so I said, oh, okay, let me take a shower. And so while I was in the shower, I practiced something I had just learned and that since then has been really the basis of my whole performance practice. And so I'm in there and I'm th and I do these three things that I always tell people. And, and granted, I'm speaking kind of to the wife now and of course the husbands are like, well, great. But if there's a chance these women will listen, I mm -hmm. doubt that they want to stay cold their whole, you know. So... I'm in the shower and I, I've got my hands on my chest and I'm acknowledging this distressing emotion. Because usually if there's a distressing emotion, we resist it. Right. And what we resist persists. Right. To be cliche. So <laughs> I completely acknowledge this emotion. So I'm taking a breath and I, I say it all. It's going to go badly. I'm not going to get aroused. It's going to go badly. I'm not going to get aroused. It's not going to work. And then... Just the fact of acknowledging it, for some reason, it was not reinforcing the desire. It was acknowledging it. So I've got all this water pouring on my body. And I take this deep breath and I said, I just choose to be responsive and sexy. And suddenly I'm looking at my body. I was suddenly, you know, instead of being absent mentally mm -hmm. and all caught up in the anxiety, I was completely present in my body. And it's like the, I'm looking at my body for the first time. I'm seeing water on my skin. And I think, wow, that's really beautiful. Water on my skin looks beautiful. <laughs> and, it, and, um, and, if, and I was suddenly aware of how good it felt, how uh, it's this beautiful shower. It feels good. This water feels good. And, and I was just peaceful. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But I was completely, totally in touch with my senses. And so 
I lay down with Paul and it was like, I don't know, it's like he'd never kissed me before or something because just every kiss was like magical. My whole body was responsive. <laughs> I just thought this is unbelievable. And so it was, it was incredible. And then the next night <laughs> it was incredible again. <laughs> and so it sounds absolutely ludicrous that everything could change. Like, we were talking about it, Paul and I, last night again, and he said, everything changed on a dime to you. And I said, you know, I don't know. Suddenly, my energy was unstuck. I wasn't wrapped up in this stimulus response of, you know, advanced anxiety. I completely changed my response. And so I know that I know that I know that it's possible. Absolutely, it's possible. And the one thing I think that jumps out is your comment of being 100% present. Absolutely. Because that changes everything. But it also is scary. Because to be 100% present means you have to acknowledge and sit with the things we don't like, the things, the things that we're afraid of, the things that we're, we're fearful of, the things that are painful, the things that are frustrating, the, the anxiety that you're, that you're describing of, this is all gonna unfold badly. This is not gonna work out. You know, and we have all these scripts that we have in our mind that of how we want things to unfold. And one of the hardest things to learn to do, in my experience, is to put those scripts aside and just let things unfold by being present and following whatever happens with, with the best in you, with the parts in us that knows we can handle what unfolds, that's willing to speak up, you know, that's willing to say, hey, this isn't working, or hey, slow down, or I, I'm not there, or, you know, just to, to say the hard things that we don't want to say with our spouse sometimes. But the interesting thing is, I can almost guarantee you that Paul had scripts going on as well. <laughs> that he had, yes. he had this, this is going to be bad. This is not going to work out. I mean, I've got 14 years of history <laughs> to build on. To know that I can set the stage, I can light the candles, and I imagine there took quite a bit of courage for exactly. him to, to do it again. To say, I'm going to open myself up again to possibly be rejected, and also likely be rejected based on <laughs> history. And But yet, I want to do that. And so, even when you're the initiator or the high desire, there's still a script going on of how you want things to unfold. And, Absolutely. And, and one of the most difficult things there is to do is to let go of attachment to outcome and just be present and let things happen because you have to then acknowledge what's going on in your mind during sex. You have to acknowledge what's going on in your mind during the buildup to sex, during the, the interaction day to day of a relationship and of a marriage because there's lots of different things that can trip up sex. You know, I've, I've heard of lots of people, and I've talked with my wife about this, that she would have times at work where something would trigger something, that, an arousing thought of some experience we've had or something we've shared. And she would, and so she'd call me up and say, hey, I was just thinking <laughs> about, and, you know, fill in the blanks, and <laughs> let's recreate that tonight. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, <laughs> I'm totally on board. And so she is totally into the idea of I want to have sex. At the moment. At that moment. But then, oh. as the day unfolds, and as traffic is bad, and then 
the kids are out of control when she comes in and it's stressful and I had forgotten something or, you know, all these different things that could come along. By the time we actually get to carve out some time for just us, it's the, it's long gone. You know, <laughs> it, it, the, the, the moment is so past. And I'm still sitting there saying, hold on a sec. Come on. I thought we, we, I thought we were having sex tonight. We had plans. That's right. We were recreating some things. And, <laughs> but it, there's so much that can trip us up. And so what we've learned is, is or, or are still in the process of trying to learn, is how to just totally slow down everything that we do together to allow our relationship to still take priority, I guess you could say. And by relationship, I don't mean marriage. I mean relationship as lovers, because that's an aspect of our life that's important. And that's the, that's the one thing I share with her and no one else. So no one else has that elegance and secret and all of that that we have created together. And one of the things that can trip up a lot of marriages that I've seen, a lot of couples I've seen, is that aspect of their marriage. They haven't learned how to be a present in that area. They've learned, they've learned really well how to co-parent, how to run a household, how to do finances, how to be friends, quote-unquote. But... One of the things I've said on Simple Marriage that's gotten a lot of pushback in it, but I believe it, husband and wife aren't designed to be friends. There's a friendship there, yes. But your spouse is not designed to be your best friend because you don't have sex with your friends. <laughs> you have sex with your spouse. And, and that's, an, that's a huge difference of, of the relationship that totally changes the relationship. And so what you're describing, Gina, is, and the way I hear it is, is that there was an aspect of you that you constantly fought over on why is this not there? You know, you would beat yourself up, I'm assuming. You would, I did. It really would crawl every time. I, you know, I'd roll over, ball myself to sleep. Right. It was just so horrible. Be really frustrated. And then also the other aspects of your life that would bleed over into that. That when, when the relationship had trouble, it would, you would, I'm guessing you would attribute it, well, we're just not having sex and it's me and it's my fault. And, and, and so we take all of that on when in reality, if you can learn how or when you learned how to grab a hold of that aspect of you, things started to shift. The, the sexuality within you and the energy that's found therein, things started to shift. I think great sex for a woman is 100% about that woman feeling sexy. And so the m most powerful thing a guy can do is build her sexual confidence. And, of course, that's our own job as women to build our own sexual confidence and, and tune into who we are and, and not buy into the 20 zillion <laughs> bits of <laughs> influence we get a day that tells us what we're supposed to look like and be like. But if you can look at your spouse with confidence and help her build that and affirm her beauty, affirm your desire for her, I, I just can't even say enough about how far that goes. Because uh, the flip side is feeling your frustration, right. feeling uh, that I'm this failure. Okay, let me, add, let me add an addendum to that real quick. Of As a guy, I can build... A woman's sexual confidence but the best thing I can do is build her confidence without an attachment to the outcome of it 
to because it can be exactly. it can be manipulative then it can exactly. be you know most women my in my experiences with my wife she can see right through when i'm playing something up just because i want sex she can see right through it it's the same thing if you got children and they all of a sudden are coming up and snuggling up and hey that looks really and your immediate response is well, what do you want you know <laughs> how, how much how much money are you wanting from me or who are you wanting to go see or you know they're cuz they're setting you up well that does not change as we get older. We just get more sophisticated with it. And, and we get a lot more subtly manipulative with it. And, but I think as spouses, we see right through that. And so it's, it's learning how as guys, because the guys that have sent in the emails, their, their frustration is over an issue that is largely out of their control. They contribute <laughs> to it, and they can possibly contribute to the solution to it. But at the end of the day, it's on their, it's on her shoulders to take care of her own sexuality, just like it's on your shoulders to take care of your own sexuality. You know, no one, no one can give it to you long term. There's glimpses of it that that can help, where the anxiety is released and you feel a little better and you, and you have a little more validation and a little more identity. But long term, it's on you and you alone. So the more I can learn to boost my wife's sexuality in the sense of just her as a woman, as Eve, if you will, as, <laughs> as, the, as the beginning woman and the beauty that Eve had to unveil, which I love that phraseology of it's an internal beauty to kind of discover and unfold, not put on, but just to unveil who she is. The more I can speak to that as her husband, the more I can increase the likelihood she can find that desire within herself. But it's not my responsibility to make it happen because I can't. No, you can't. And for, for the wives, I think it's so critical to understand how much power there is in our opening ourselves up and being completely enthralled with our lover, being just completely taken and that he's that significant that he brings us this pleasure that no one else on the planet can do. That will, I think there's something about our greatest privilege as women and bringing out the best in a man and our husband. And, and so to be able to be that woman that is so attracted to his masculinity, you just can't say enough about how powerful that is. So it's enough, I think, to make you want to say, all right, I'm willing to explore how to be present, how to be in touch with my own mind and body connection, and how to how to take charge of my own sex drive because there's there's plenty of resources right and then also to learn i mean the next step in that is to learn how to take your partner's desire or lack of desire less personally yeah absolutely because if you take it personally the energy you put out there is not conducive yeah, it, to screws, sex. it screws everything up right not in a good way um <laughs> <laughs> sorry but it, it's one of those that we, we get so much identity from the people that we care about that that starts to trip us up because we base what we feel on their reaction. And part of growing up in my mind is I have to learn how to live my life according to what I feel, not by what other people feel about me. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big growth. It is. A, and it's a huge one. <laughs> and, and the, you talked about, uh, 
seeking out some help for your lack of desire and your frustration and then finding out there was nothing medically wrong. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've discovered too and with the couples I've worked with, almost all of them when they share the story, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> it, it's their, in their mind there is, absolutely. Because okay. one of them wants more sex than the other does. And so obviously there's something wrong. But to me, I just think of it, it's, it's not that there's something wrong. It's the natural process of marriage working itself out with the two people. Of struggling, making each person struggle to be better, to define who they are. It's kind of a grinding of the, off of the rough edges of ourselves. Yeah I, say, yeah, I say that a lot too. That's what marriage does to us, makes us it just makes us better that way and I mean it's great news for me to look at my life and say well we've had eight years of absolutely spectacular intimacy after 14 of real struggle so I I just want to encourage that there's hope and and especially to to my girlfriends out there you know jump in and and um, you're safe here to talk about your side of the story yeah speak up because I would love to hear from the spouses on what their mm-hmm. take is because there could be you know there could be some baggage that just has been very very damaging that it's mm-hmm. it seemed innocuous at the time but it really altered and changed a bunch and it, there could also be some horrific things that have happened because you know we grow up in a fallen world and right. and there is a lot of hell that happens in this world that trips us up for the entirety of our life I mean, just watch the news right now with what's going on. You know, as we're recording this, all the Penn State crap is happening. And I mean, all of that stuff will dramatically impact life forever. But yeah, it will impact it forever. But that doesn't mean that just because we have a story that says that sex is bad, painful, doesn't mean you can't completely rewire your story and change it to be sex is something celebrated where I'm safe treasured, uh, ecstatic, and, and change completely. Right. And so that's what we're all about here, right. reclaiming intimacy in a world that's been screwed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it, 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 there is hope and there is healing that can be found, but there is also work to be done. And so one of the things about, back to what we were talking about, being 100% present, when let's say let's say the scenario unfold let's go back eight years ago in your marriage when when mm-hmm. paul set up the scenario mm-hmm. and 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 you come in and you're like oh man this isn't this is going to be bad i'm not into this then you got this whole dilemma of well maybe it's just my duty so okay i'll give you some mercy sex just to shut you up for another month and i mean all this kind of stuff is what's going on the more present you can be about that the more likely you'll find a solution to it. I mean, it's what you're talking about. If you can, if you acknowledge that negative energy, right? It's it's then more likely you can find a solution for it. Absolutely, and that is if you once you learn that, it applies to every single time that you're anxious, at any single time that you're stressed, and you will have absolutely an ecstatic life. Yeah. It, to be present in life. Well, that's the idea of, of sex as a language. And, and the yeah. meaning that we place on sex is also the what, how we do life. I mean, life and sex, go, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So 
when you change that, that's why sex is such a great laboratory, mm-hmm. not, not just for fun and pleasure, but it's also a huge laboratory of examining what's going on in your life. If you really want to get psychobabble terms with it, I mean that, that a lot of what unfolds when you're intimate with, with your lover will challenge a lot of the things that you try to avoid in the other areas of your life. You just don't even realize it's going on. Well, yeah, and a woman's low libido says a lot of things about how her life is. Too stressed, too unhealthy, too busy, mm-hmm. um, too altered metabolically. So, yeah, the the beauty is once you, you have a hold of that, it's a whole new level of health. Right. So it's worth going after. It's it's worth learning how to be comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, and, and how to be sexual. And and what, one thing that comes to my mind is I mentioned this at the very beginning of our show, that uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a chance to go down to Panama with my family, and we have uh, our best friends live down there, and it's just a, a beautiful place. They actually live in El Valle, Panama, which is inside mm-hmm. an extinct volcano. So you're in the rainforest, inside an extinct volcano, and it's just otherworldly feeling. And and as I was talking to my friend about it, he he made the comment that the first two months that they were there, he was crawling out of his skin. He, he was just so uncomfortable because what was happening is he was having to learn how to be more comfortable as himself because he, he was coming from, and he, and he comes across as probably one of the most confident, outgoing guys I've met. And, and what he was learning was he had come from America where we are so inundated with distraction and busyness that really doesn't mean much. It's just distraction and busyness. There's not a whole lot of meaning that's deep down and legacy building, but it, it's just things to keep us busy. And now he goes to an environment that is 180 degrees different, where, you know, the store, I mean, the funniest th- stories we would get from them is they would go out to eat as a family, and the kids would, well, I want French fries with this. And, well, no, we don't have any today. Right. What? You're a restaurant. And no, we just, we, we ran out and the order hasn't come back for more, you know, or we didn't turn the oven on today. That was one of his funny ones too. They went to a pizza place and they didn't turn the oven on that day. And it's like, it, that, that's just so otherworldly feeling, but it's the, it's, it's kind of the same analogy of what we're, what we're describing of learning how to be comfortable in your own skin. And that means you grow up. That means you confront the things you don't like. That means you, acknowledge the things you don't like you allow that to shower over you and and choose something different try choosing something different and, and maybe you don't even need to choose something different to start with maybe you just need to acknowledge it maybe maybe yeah. that's maybe that's the big enough step to start yeah absolutely and enjoy the adventure all that all that Corey's describing plays into a a story of adventure so Enjoy that. That's right, because life is an adventure. There's there's a large story going on and unfolding, and life can be what we what we choose it to be. That we don't have to live according to other people's terms. Awesome. I hope that helps. Absolutely. And so, fellows, we do want to hear back from you. I know <laughs> I know we were kind of general. We didn't get into the straight detail of of every, every nuts and bolts things that you mentioned in your in your emails, but but we do want to hear back. And spouses, if you're out there on the other end and and identify, we want to hear from you so that we can 
talk more in depth if need be about this topic. Well, Gina, mm-hmm. I want to go, I on, wanna va- go on vacation. I want to go on vacation too. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> that I'm, I think I'm right ahead of the Caribbean. I'm going to call my wife <laughs> to see if there's a way we can go. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Look, I have this picture all the time. <laughs> a picture of the Caribbean. It's the Caribbean. <laughs> nice. See, the, the, there, there's some beautiful things down down in the Caribbean and, and where there's warm and sand and sun. So. Well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio. We are glad that you chose to join us again, and we hope to see you again down the road. Uh, SexyMarriageRadio.com. We'd love your feedback. Have a great rest of the week. Have more sex. <laughs> Let's talk about... <laughs>